Welcome to Empowered Conversations. I'm your host, Susie Petrozzi. This podcast will take you on a journey of personal growth and self-discovery through conversations with special guests that will inspire you to live the life of your dreams. Get ready now for an Empowered Conversation. Welcome to Empowered Conversations. I'm so, so excited and delighted that I have a very beautiful person sitting in front of me virtually, Senka Colton. <laughs> I have known Senka for quite a few years now, but really more int- int- intimately over the past year. And I have watched her, I've, I have watched her dedicate her life and um, to, to wellness, to growth through wellness, through training, through working on her body, um, both so on her body physically, but I know that such an important aspect of what she does is the quality of mind, if you will, the quality of attitude that she brings to what she does. And I want to dive into her journey because, you know, the topic of our Empowered Conversation is feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, Senka, welcome and thank you so much. Oh, Susie, it's such a such a delight to be able to have this conversation. I know we've known each other for a little while and you've probably heard some of this before, but thanks for giving me the opportunity to share some of this with people. And I just hope that, uh, you know, it might resonate with, with those in the community out there who you know, might be um, facing particular challenges or questioning whether they might choose a slightly different path. I just hope that it can help them. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I I think that especially now during um, COVID, I think that that's going to be, well, we're all transitioning anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that transition has a lot of common elements. But before we dive into that, first of all, I just want to point out that um, for those who don't know that you're a personal trainer, you're a wellness coach, um, and and those are two passions, right? And and obviously nutrition, nutrition Mm. is a big passion of yours. But it's not what you've done for as your career path to start off with. So I want to know about your journey. Um, how did you go from being HR director at Macquarie or, you know, one of the, one of the places yeah. to now yeah. really living what you love doing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a long story. <laughs> um, but go for I will, it. I will give you the abridged version. So... Um, going back to when I finished school, I kind of identified, well, let's go back beyond that. So I've always, I've always been involved with some form of physical activity. I did gymnastics competitively at, um, throughout high school. I think that is through that I discovered a a sense of, of my body, my physique, its strength, its capability. Uh, and um, when I and a love, I guess, for physical activity, if if that makes sense. So, when I finished high school, I wanted to go and be an aerobics instructor. So we don't call us in aerobics instructors anymore. But no this conversation, haven't we? I know this Oz Aerobics, six thirty a.m. <laughs> the grapevine. <laughs> the grapevine. Little cards with g-strings, leg warmers, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, and my background probably, as you can tell from my name, is, is ethnic. So my parents are originally from Croatia and Bosnia and came here when they were very young. So 
I guess the reason I'm saying that is that, you know, quite um, traditional in their views and their ways and in growing up they didn't have access to a lot of the opportunities that we are so fortunate to have here in Australia, particularly from an educative perspective. So it was really important to them because they didn't have the opportunity or the money for me to go to university. So, um, and I did, you know, reasonably well in high school. <clears throat> and I sort of thought, you know what, what's going to give me security? I'll go and study it and, and sort of study my interest and my passion, which was uh, HR. So um, I went and did a, a commerce degree and I majored in HR and industrial relations. And, um, and, and you know, was very happy doing that, was, you know, reasonably successful. I think it really, um, I kind of now look back on this and see this is all as part of my journey and my path because all of that, and, you know, my experience with that, my exposure to people, psychology, all of that I think has now made me, uh, you know, um, it's, it's changed the way that I look at, a lot, at lots of things and it means that I come from a place of empathy, I think, when I'm there working with my clients because I, you know, I can understand all of the kind of various parts that kind of sit behind that. Um, and, you know, I love people. So I love people. I like engaging with people. I love supporting them. I love you know, um, helping them to fulfil their potential and realise their particular goals no matter what they might be. So to cut a long story short, I went and had that successful career and um, Susie, as you know, I've got two kids. I have mm. a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old and we were at a point in our lives where we were outsourcing everything. I'm sure lots of people can relate to this. It's a real struggle to juggle mm. family and professional commitments um, and at some point something's going to give. So we had outsourced everything and uh, we had a particular morning where things were very, very difficult with my youngest. Things are generally a bit harder with her, I find. And, um, and I'll share this with you. She walked out of the house and said, I, you know, we had a nanny. I hate this family. I hate you, mummy. I hate you. This, she was like mm. three years of age. And I remember looking at Simon, my husband, and say, saying to him, you know what, this is... This is not working. Something's going to change. Um, and I think from a values perspective, I had made a decision that um, that I was going to opt out of the workforce. And part of that was driven by my upbringing. I, I had a mum. I was brought up by my grandmother. Both of my parents worked. Mm -hmm. Didn't feel like I got to spend a lot of time with them. And so for me, that's kind of my backstory and why kind of part of part of the decision-making process for me in actually making the decision to stop working. And I thought, you know what, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to go and have massages. I'm going to walk <laughs> and see my girlfriends and have cups of coffee and, you know, this is going to be amazing. And so absolutely I w it was amazing. I was quite comfortable with the decision at the time and, um, and really was very glad that I had made it. But after a period of time, that kind of, I suppose, what is it, the novelty of not working wore mm. off. And, uh, you know, working in places like Macquarie or any sort of corporate environment is generally quite, quite high achievement oriented, very, you know, and you're mixing with lots of people. And here I found myself at home, it kind of reminded me of when I had the children. I'm sure many mums can relate to this as well. You know, all of a sudden you're in your home and you're stuck in these four walls. Yeah. 
and and it's just a very different space space that you're not familiar with that you're comfortable with yeah that is um not what you know Mm. every story has those pivoting moments of you know we're throwing something in our way that we have to stop and think and go what am I going to do from here on and there's so many different ways of which way we can go yeah but the deciding moment obviously is going to be the one that's going to carve our path forward and it's a hard one because we know that something needs to change but we're not often in a place where we just go yeah I'll just change that because like you said you were you were quite happy with your career you were happy you know you you had there was an opportunity for you to express who you are to be engaged with people but was there something what I'm curious is that was there something along the way that was like "Mm, it's it's not quite right yeah something's missing I think it was the sense of there's still been a, um, a lack of fulfilment, deep personal fulfilment, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether it's if it's life cycle um, driven or time of life, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. After having children, I kind of, I I don't know if there are any mums that are listening to this, but when I had kids, I became so very acutely aware of my own mortality. All of a sudden, I kind of went, "Holy, you know what?" Yeah. There is this life. I can is relate limited. to that, Senka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this life is limited. It's precious. We, you know, I have the ability to really. It, it's a gift to have children. It's a massive responsibility, and I, um, and I want to do that properly. But I also actually want to. I just felt like to answer your question, Sue, there was something missing. So when when that happened at home that trigger happened, it was actually a really easy decision for me to make. I, okay. I didn't have to think twice yeah. about, yeah. about that because I kind of reached the point where I thought, you know, professionally I feel like I've achieved what I wanted, which was to get to HR director status. You know, I, I've worked with some really amazing people, I've learnt so much and I just felt like there was a natural kind of progression from that in some way, but I didn't know what it was and I certainly didn't even, I actually thought that progression was just to be with my family but Mm. after a while I actually became actually started to feel depressed Mm. because I thought I'm not feeling fulfilled I'm not doing anything aside from doing anything kids and you can only have so many coffees with girlfriends before you start to think "Mm, there's going to be more to this indeed (laughs) well no really really yeah someone who's and sorry to interrupt you Senka because I know I know that you're someone who's has a lot of depth when it comes to thinking about things, you know, that you, you go deeper, you kind of really feel into things. And oh, so, thanks, you, you know, it wouldn't have just been, yeah, just this, this is okay. This is fulfilling some part of me, but it's like, mm. I need to feel it. It's not mm-hmm. completing 100%. me on that level. A hundred percent. I think that's exactly got it right on the, hit the nail on the head. So I, I became, I actually started to feel quite depressed because I thought I'm not, I thought this was the answer for me to to do mm, this, mm. even though despite being confident, as I said, I was in that being the right decision, and I think it still was the right decision at the time. I yeah. just like I felt I felt depressed. I really felt quite lost and depressed, and <clears throat> and I, I guess I I remember actually going for taking the dog for a walk. We've got a dog. We've got four fish at home as well. If you saw, 
in the bio, but um, yeah. I took the dog for a Beautiful walk and I, kind of, and I kind of had that sort of, we've talked about these sort of stuff before, that aha moment. Uh-huh. I, I had all of these thoughts in my head and I went, oh, my goodness, I actually know what I need to do. I really, I know what I need to do because I had started to do, and with the benefit of having had that HR background, you know, you do career audits with people, perhaps if they're transitioning out of roles that they've made redundant, and you have these conversations with people, you know, what, what are your skills, what are you good at, what do you find challenging, what, what makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning? What, mm. what, what drives you? What are you passionate about? You know, all of those sorts of things. So I was able to kind of do that with myself, on myself. And it was at that moment that I was working, walking our dog Coco that I realised, my God, I wanted to be an aerobics instructor when I finished high school. I know what I need to do. I need to go back and study and become a personal trainer and actually because that was my that was what I wanted all those years so let ago. me let me ask you something at that point how long after um making that decision to leave work was that yeah. how, how long after that was did that happen it wasn't quick because um it was <sighs> it wasn't quick because I actually had to um I I had to I had to do do a little bit of convincing at home, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I had to, I had to, mm. I think it's really difficult. Any change then means that, you know, a family becomes used to a particular way of life. That is true. That with, with, yeah. with it come then, a, you know, a certain new way of living. And I think change. We change the dynamics, don't we? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I actually felt like there was a power shift, and I'll share this with, um, with with the listeners. You know, even in my relationship with my husband at the time, I kind of felt, and I don't know the, whether that was just in my own head or whether it kind of felt like that, but for me I felt, you know, I'm not bringing in an income anymore. I kind of don't feel, um, I don't know, how, what are the words that I'm using? You would understand Empowered this. or maybe as empowered of a woman? And I can relate to this because when I went on maternity leave, suddenly gone, you know, second time around Mm. and I left my full-time job. So I I, I didn't have that, yeah, I can just go and get that or I want to get because it wasn't my own. I think it's that sense of independence and empowerment that comes through that. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's the independence. And I, you know, again, I, and I think maybe this is a generational thing as well, um, you tell me what you think, but, you know, growing up, my, my parents were always very big on, you know, you're a woman, but you have to stand on your own two feet. You don't need a man. Do you know what I mean? You don't need a man. You can do this on your own. Always. That was the message that was honed into me when I was growing up. Interesting. Um, I don't know that I had, oh, this is interesting because one of the, we, we come from the same background, right? So yes. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And I had both parents who worked extremely yeah. hard. Yeah. I mean, work was essentially the belief system was you have to work hard to succeed to make life happen and then and therefore the perfect perfectionistic tendencies and that sense of overachieving overachieving i think maybe i mean oh gosh i have a line lineage and i think we talked about this of very strong women Yes. Actually, now that you say that, it was never spoken. It was an unspoken thing. That women were the ones that they just carried Mm. everything. They carried Mm. the household. They they just, you know, metaphorically speaking. So, okay, yeah, I just had to say that out loud to get a sense of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So 
so that I think had had a bearing and continues to have a bearing on how I feel in terms of my contribution to the family unit. Um, and that's my own hang up, right? It's not, that's, you know, we all have things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, so that was a difficult transition because then all of a sudden, because I wasn't necessarily immediately supported with what I wanted to do, I had to kind of convince people or say, look, this is why I want to do it. I think it's going to be great from this perspective. It'll give This me, is you know, personal I'm, training, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, you know, um, I'm good with people. At least I think, think I am. I understand. Mm. I understand, you know, to the extent that I'm able without being qualified people. I think that I can really add value. I like to support people and help them to get the best of whatever situation that might be. Before it was from a business perspective. Now it's from a personal mm. perspective. And actually that's more fulfilling for me because I actually feel like I'm making a direct contribution to somebody's life. Do you know what I mean? In a way that has deep meaning for them. Mm. So that for me was just like the light bulb went off. I was like, yes, this is what I need to do. But then, you know, there was a little bit of pushback. Oh, how's that going to work? You know, what are we going to do? Um, uh, so that was, that made me kind of second guess. I'm not second guess at A lot of hows. It's like hows. And that's generally where we tend to yeah. stop ourselves. Well, how? Whereas you, you know, and this is the thing that, you know, how they, you've heard the saying, why is, why, your why is more important than the hows and hows will take care of themselves. But it's like the mind just goes, I think it's speed driven. How? Mm. I need to have it all figured mm. out before I go sure. out there and do it. I mean, we all For do sure. it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is absolutely fear that drives it because it's the unknown. It's, it's, it's not something that's been experienced. There isn't a plan for it, at least initially. You know, the devil's in the detail and none of that detail's been figured out at all. And I think mm. that... That fear was like, so But so for me it was like the fear, it was like, but you know what, I thought, Susie, I feel so passionately and strongly about this. I thought I'm not going, and I'm not the sort of person that gives up anyway. If I really believe in something, I'm, I'm going to just keep pushing. So I'm like, you know what? I and keep pushing say. specifically through, sorry to, sorry to interrupt yeah, you, but keep pushing no. through what specific aspects or thoughts that were coming in? So what I was thinking was, you know what, I feel really, really strongly about this. I kept thinking about my children but more specifically my daughter and thinking to myself, you know what, how can I, this is something that I really feel, we were talking about feeling, mm. feel like this is my path and mm. And I think at some point, you know, I think as human beings, we often want to just kind of hang off facts to get comfort and confidence in making mm. decisions. But mm -hmm. I think what I've also learned, particularly as a mum, is that there's a massive intuitive component yeah. to that and subjective aspect. And I know when I haven't listened to that intuition or that feeling that I get inside, I regret not having listened to it in the past. And that's a, you know, it's an experiential thing, isn't it? You know, but I think for me, that was that calling was so strong. It was just that constant. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I thought, you know what, if I don't feel the fear and do it anyway, how can I say to my, my daughter in particular, you know, when she says to me, oh, mummy, I'm scared, as you know, she's a good schooler, she's, she's terrified of competing, how can I ask her to go and do something yeah. that she's scared of if I'm not willing to do it myself and set an example, do you know, about yeah. things that I feel strongly about? 
So she was, you were being in a way, um, not necessarily explicitly, but accountable to her. And I I can, again, I can relate to this. I'm accountable to my children because I will tell them to express themselves or to do this or um, push them to um, do something that they haven't done, like to apply for that opportunity to be part of an orchestra. And do I do that in my life? And what's interesting is when I, I, you know, and I love that you, you, you bring it up in that way, we can, you don't have to have children to hmm. be accountable to someone, but use something that is, I think, really important to you in your own life. Like I'm just thinking, speaking to, to the audience and to those who will listen, that can act as your accountability. What will they see? What will they think? And I don't, I don't mean think about as in from a judgment perspective, because that's not what we're speaking to now. Mm. But I, I feel, <clears throat> who is it in your life that, you know, is looking at you with eyes of inspiration? Mm. And maybe it's, maybe it's your friends, you know, maybe it's, I mean, you have so many more people now, now that you're training, you have your mm. clients, yeah. your children. I mean, children are going to be your number one, right? So yeah. I think accountability goes, I just want to pause here for a moment. Yeah. Accountability Please. goes hand in hand with what you've just said, your passion, your, what you were saying, that intuitive sense, felt sense. You, we can feel it, but then there's a gap between mm. feeling it and then acting on it and what happens in between. It's like, how mm. do we nurture that? You nurture, nurture that through thinking about your kids and what, will, what do you want them to do and how are we then setting an example because whatever we're feeling and we're not expressing it, our kids are going to express it. Yes, 100%. maybe even maybe even Coco might. Our pets might. Coco in particular. Oh, Senka, I love it. Okay, so um, yeah, you know, it's it's like what got you to step mm. over to to kind of um, take the leap. Yeah, well, I think it was that. It was that calling. It was thinking, you know, I really believe very strongly in this. I, um, I'm i not feeling good about myself and fulfilled and that something needs to change. So there's always, and I think, you know, even when I think about my clients, when they come to me initially or even with people that run with us at the 440, you know, have that running free community movement club every Saturday, there's a driver that causes somebody to pick up that phone. There is, there is something within an individual that actually precipitates the need for a change. There's that driver that says mm. there is something not quite right here. Yeah. And sometimes people are really clear about what that is. Other times they just know that there's something and they need to explore it a little bit further. You know, you had someone that held you accountable to doing it so that you wouldn't um, that you wouldn't be distracted by fear. And I think that's a really important message here because um, yep. we are speaking to fear that you can't just, I mean, to you, for you that was organic, that was in place, that structure was in place. Yeah, doesn't mean that it's guaranteed. For you it was. For you it was. Maybe for someone else it's not going to be guaranteed that, that's gonna, that their children are going to hold them accountable to that. Who knows what's going on for the individual. So it may need to be something else. But, okay, but what I want to know now, coming back to you are now doing personal training and mm. um, coaching um, mm. sessions as well. Mm. And this is how many years down the track? So what, two, how many years? How long have you... I know that you've been training way before that, but in terms yeah. of actually, actually having setting your yeah, business called business. Sessions, yeah. yeah. Well, I only set up my business 
uh, it's probably only been a year since I set up my business. So, you know, obviously doing some work in the in the years preceding that in training, mm-hmm. but you know, wholly and solely being accountable. We're talking about accountability for my own business and and um, and client base. It's really only been in the last year. I think about, I, I'm not great with dates. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I think I've probably hit my first, first birthday for my business, which is, you know, um, interestingly in COVID and it's, it's probably been, I feel, I feel like, and it's really interesting, um, what do I want to say with this? I feel like, you know, there's a period in our lives where, you know, you're, you're working on something that, and as a business owner, you will probably appreciate this. You know, you're working, you're working really hard. You feel like you're doing, you, you, you know, you're not making much traction mm. and you kind of go to yourself, oh, my God, is this working? Yeah. Is this yeah. worth it? Mm-hmm. I'm work, you know, and it's, it's um, you kind of go, but then all of a sudden, I don't know what happens, you kind of then start to pick up some momentum. And I kind of think, you know, it's it's like anything. I read this really interesting piece in a book that I'll mention in a second, but it's like it's talking about the stonemason. They're given this block of, block of stone and they're sitting there with their chisel and they're chip, 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 chipping away. And all of a sudden on the hundredth, hundredth stroke, the block breaks and uh-huh. it splits. And so for me that's about saying it's not that last mm. hammer that actually broke the stone. It's the hundred yeah. chips before that that actually yeah. makes makes that happen. So I feel like it's like it's the cumulative effect of everything that's gone on before, be it from a career change perspective, be it from a wellness journey, be it from a nutritional family whatever it is standpoint it's all of that stuff that's happened before that actually Mm. accumulates to to facilitate that change and I wonder you know when you when you say that because you say I think that's such a powerful analogy can feel like that sometimes you know just chipping away chipping away particularly if if you're a perfectionist or a high achiever Mm. Mm. Um, and then you you know you've got your business so it could be something else in life doesn't always have to be business and then you want it now like you're so impatient and yet patience yeah. is the very thing that you have to practice and I think at some point particularly in the beginning like I'm reflecting on my own journey I just I just want to do it so that I can do it it's almost like I just want to do the work so that I can actually do the work 100%. and yet all along I think what I, I've been what I was invited to do invited as in something bigger than me is like Susie relax have fun it will all come together as you're saying just focus on what you love doing most and I can honestly say that there were times where I didn't focus because I was so caught up in I gotta do this so I can have that no you do that now and this will fall in place even Mm -hmm. now as I'm saying that I think that that really hit me home um, and I think that's probably true for you Senka because when I look at you in sessions by the way I so so whilst I know Senka through our community and from school, our kids go to school together, I trained with Senka and that came together as, you know, when you first started, we're part of yeah. this beautiful group of women. And I Here just love that. I love that that happens on Fridays. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's such a special thing that I look forward to. Um, really there. You're there for, for us. You're there for your client. 
but there is so much more to you being there. It's not just about doing that rep. It's not just about like you're there with your heart, you're there in spirit. And that's really when things I feel come together, like that's the core of why we're here. That's the core yeah. of what, what we really need to do, letting go of those expectations and trusting that everything else will take care of itself to the degree that we can stay present to you know, our, our mission ahead of us and your mission is mm. about bringing wellness and health and well-being to people through what you do. Yeah. Um, so um, I love, I love your, I guess, your awareness of that, that, you, mm. that you've been, you've really been present to that along the journey. Thank so, you, yeah, you know, it's, it's beautiful. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you. Um, it's not you know, like, gosh, as determined and strong as you are, there's this beautiful softness to what you do and which is your compassion, your empathy for others. And those two, and, and to me, I think that's true union. It's like this, you know, it's like the yin and yang, the strength and then the softness oh, wow. when it comes together. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's so. Beautiful, beautiful compliment. Thank you. Well, you're, it's who you are. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about, um, like, okay, let's just pause. Let's really absorb okay. that. <laughs> let's take a breath because we need to, you know, we can so yeah. quickly sometimes move over that. Um, this is why I love having these empowered conversations because I don't know what's going to come up. <laughs> no, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's just, yeah, stimulates thought and emotions. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, do, I do have a thought though. I mean, I was Tell thinking me. about your point Um we're talking about patience before yeah. because I think, you know, and I was reading, there's this really fabulous book. I don't know if you've read it. It's called Atomic Habits by James <gasps> Clear. Oh, oh my I God, it's good. I came across that on my Audible. Okay. Listeners, 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 listeners <laughs> if you are looking to read one book that has application to almost every aspect of life, um, it is this one, this Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, I started to read it with, with you know, with an, trying to get a better understanding of the psychologist that sits behind establishing good habits and breaking mm. bad habits because, of course, a lot of clients will come to me and say, you know, I want to lose weight, I'm not feeling great about myself and, you know, we, we dive in and have a conversation to kind of ha get a better understanding about their lifestyle and their particular habits um, and as we all know, we, uh, you know, habits, habits can be formed, but can also be very difficult to break. So, you know, and often they are the, they're not bad habits, but they're habits that uh, impede our ability to achieve our goals. Mm. So I don't, you know, I think um, that's what led me to reading the book. But one of the interesting things that he talked about in terms of patience is like motivation. So you know, people often have this driver for change. They want to do something because they know something is not quite right. And in the beginning, like I was describing my own journey, being at home, there is this aspect of novelty to it, you know, that sense of, you know, this is different, this is exciting. And I think the human, you tell me, you're the psychologist, the human condition generally, I think, likes things that are exciting and stimulating and easy, right? Mm, easy particularly yeah <laughs> easy. we don't like things that are hard now easy make it quick <laughs> there you go there you go the psychologist has spoken so <laughs> i think um, that's that's my own personal experience <laughs> <laughs> but i think you know and so 
um, what I was reading was that I think scientists have discovered that actually um, to feel truly motivated and in flow, you have to, um, the, the task that you're performing, be it an exercise, be it a diet, be it a career change, be it a, you know, a, a new job, for example, let's say we start a new job, the expectations are different. Mm. It's got to be, you know, within your range of capability and no more than 4% harder than you're capable of doing to be in flow and to feel truly motivated and engaged in what you're doing. Mm. And, of course, like anything, you start a new job, you feel excited, you feel motivated, you know, all of these new things. And after a while you're kind of humming along and going, oh, you know, same old, same old, this is not stimulating at all. And it's the same with exercise, same with diet. You know, you make you feel like you're making some progress, and then things become very average. I think, mm. um, and I think that's where am I going with this? It's about sort of saying that you know to be that is where patience becomes most important because it's I think that the thing that I've learned, and the thing that the book actually talks about is that that you know that what defines what did it say? It said athletes have the same levels of motivation that people that are non-athletic have we're the same people really right okay that's but really interesting but what's and this is just the book's perspective mm. but what separates um you know athletes from others potentially is their willingness to put up with boredom and to do the same mm. thing over and over and over again mm. because it allows us to achieve our goals so mm. So what is, you know, what is for me, it was about saying, you know, what is it that I want to achieve with this? Yeah. I, I, I want to have a business where I can work with women in particular to help them to fulfil their health and wellbeing journey, no matter what that looks like for them. Mm. Right. But I think, um, you know, along the way things can be difficult we can become impatient because we're not getting enough traction with results potentially. You know, social media, how much work is involved oh, in yeah. that. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And you kind of go, gosh, is, am I making any progress with any of this? But I think the thing that I've learned is you really, you know, whilst we're working to a goal, goals are great, but at the end of the day what is important is the process. So focusing on the process and being in love with the process, the goal will happen if we focus on what we're doing, right? Okay, um, hooray for that. And, and I just want to really acknowledge that because I can underestimate the importance of that because, one, I can think big often and I want to be there now. Yeah, and that's that's great that I have that because it helps me work towards different things. But I can underestimate that, and I really learned that when I was when the kids started homeschooling, and I was, I kind of saw myself getting caught up in helping my child just get through the task instead of working on patience on whatever it was. It was just a moment where I was having a bad day and that was particularly highlighted to me. So that is, yeah, you know, we, <laughs> hasn't COVID taught us about process a little bit more, <laughs> um, really, in, yeah. in so many aspects. Okay, so what I want to, um, where I'd like to take the conversation next, Senker, is uh, women, their bodies, mm. food, and like mm. maybe starting from when you work with clients, when you work with your women, 
What do you see? What kind of fears do they bring into the session? Big one. Yeah, right. it's a really, really it's an massive important one. issue. It's a massive issue because I kind of think about my role in all of this and the responsibility that I have, particularly we're talking about social media and, and all of that. I think... Um, I think it's what I've noticed is, you know, health and well-being as concepts are incredibly personal and contextual. And I think I say that because there is no one-size-fits-all solution. Mm. We are all very unique, very different, motivated by different things. We, we come to the experience with our own baggage, mm-hmm. our own expectations, um, and I think that uh, all, of, all of that needs to be thought about. I think what have I found? I've found that, that uh, you know, a, a lot of women, at least initially, can be very, very anxious about the way that they look because mm-hmm. they have this memory of perhaps what they looked like before children or they look at the scales and the number of the scales doesn't meet the number that they have in their head as being healthy healthy weight, for example. Mm. Or they may have done exercise before and they kind of go, gosh, I'm not doing that anymore. And so there is this level of anxiety, I think, that creeps up because their reality isn't meeting their expectations. And I say, you know, health and wellbeing is personal and contextual Mm -hmm. because everyone's got different expectations about what their level of normal or optimal looks like, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So that's, I find, I actually do find that difficult, not in terms of, um, uh, because I kind of just want to sometimes say to people, you know what, like it's, if how do I put this the people that I find that get the most out of their training and their wellness are those that approach it with a view to improving how they feel about themselves rather than attached to the numbers Mm. that they want to get out of it okay so yeah we take you know, some of the groups, our group that we work with on, you know, on Fridays. I think that worked so nicely because all of you approached it with the view of we just want to, we want to get stronger, we want to feel, move better, we, you know, we want to feel healthier, we want to, you know, we want to approach this next phase of our lives feeling as good as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Does that Mm -hmm. sound fair? Totally, yeah. And you know that because you've asked us that, right? So Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I hope that's okay to share, by the oh, way. Oh, totally, of course it is, yeah. yeah. Go yeah. For mm. Whereas people who come to me, and I will qualify this in a second because this, this has been me too, right? Mm. So I can actually talk from a, in a position of um, experience on this. People who come to me and say, oh, look, I really... Um, I, I used to weigh this weight and I desperately want to weigh that weight again. I kind of go, okay, why is that? What's driving you to feel that way? Mm. Um, what's happened, you know? Um, 
And, you know, they will start training and their bodies will start to change shape. So, for example, I might take measurements of people or ask people to take photographs. I don't want their photos. I say keep them for yourself so you mm. can actually make a comparison and see how if physique is important to you, your aesthetic, so you can make a comparison yourself and see how you change. So, you know, they might look at a scale and go, oh, my God, that number has not moved, you know, as many kilograms down as I would like it to. But you look at the photograph and their body is different. It, mm -hmm. looks, it, it looks fitter. It looks leaner. So I guess what I'm saying is the anxiety seems to come from that expectation mm -hmm. that's attached to um, typically to a notion that they're not able to achieve or feel like they can achieve. Mm. I'm not, am I explaining that okay? I don't know. Yeah, it makes sense. It's what you were saying before, you know, that their perceived reality, you didn't say perceived, you said reality is not meeting expectation, but what is that based on? And, you know, I would, one of the things I always go back to, wow, what belief systems are there in place that are so attached to that Mm -hmm. um, belief systems around food. What I have often seen with women, uh, clients, and this has been not because I necessarily work on food and I try not to, um, mm -hmm. because if we, I feel that if I can help a client improve their overall sense of well-being, who they are as a person, that can organically take care of itself, whether it be, oh, True. I feel so good about myself, I feel confident enough to go and get a personal trainer. I don't know. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Just yeah, as a... Sure. Um, but I think that there is something, maybe some conditioning about women, bodies, what's out there. And hmm. I don't know that we attach ourselves to maybe there's social media. There's Def um, definitely social media. And, and of course there's that change, like particularly from um, just change over time. Our bodies change yeah. as women, yeah. depending yes. on age, our bodies change for those of us who've given birth. Yes. Um, there's that, but how do you then, you know, how do you work around that, particularly with clients and maybe in yourself? Like, because yeah. I know yeah. I've had to work through that myself. As a, uh, and, and early on as a teenager, I mean, a lot was going on because I came from Croatia here. I was restraining eating and I was focusing so mm. much on mm. what my body looked like, how much am I yeah. weighing. That thankfully didn't last for too long. Yeah. I don't know what changed there. Um, maybe it was a focus on some other things. But it can, we, I know as women that we all can really struggle with some of those issues. Absolutely. And I think there are, I think I've, I've had those sorts of struggles before. And I w I've been thinking about what is it, what is it about that? So People say to me, how do you keep motivated? You know, you're train I'm, I'm training for a competition um, myself, so I train an hour and a half most days. Mm -hmm. It's as boring as batshit, excuse the French sometimes, but I keep doing it because I'm focused on the process and I know what I want to achieve. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now I've completely lost my train of thought now that I've gone off on that particular Oh, we're talking tangent. about women and you yeah. know, how, we, how we've over the years and generations have struggled with this sense of who we are and, and looking at who we are through our bodies oftentimes yeah. physically, how those bodies look and getting to, um, 
caught up in that because of maybe yeah whether it be of societal expectations whether it be whatever yes I know what I was so many things yes Mm -hmm. I do Mm -hmm. know I think for me I was kind of thinking about it what is it that reinforces um, a particular aspect of our identity so for me so I think tell me if you agree or disagree with this I think someone says to you geez, you're looking fit, geez, you're looking good, have you lost weight? You look amazing. Mm. And if people say that to you, and who knows what's going on in your life at the time, why you're yeah. looking like that, why you've lost weight, it could be because of particular drama or, you know, yeah. or a tragedy, who knows. But what I think that does, and I've thought about it in the context of me and why, why I particularly, why do I do what I do, why is the physical aesthetic important to me? I mean, I'm happy to be really honest about that, but I think it's it's about how do you how do you identify yourself? What what things or aspects of of your behaviour or what you do, do resonate with your identity? So mm-hmm. for me, my identity is I'm a fit, strong woman um, that takes care of herself. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is what drives me. So I think. Some of that anxiety, I think, might be attached, just my view, to, to the way that perhaps women might view themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe sometimes that might be that they were, we all change our identities, I think, change over the yeah. years. I don't know if you agree. I think fundamentally. I agree. Oh, my gosh, yeah. absolutely. I'm not the same person I was, you know, five, ten years ago. I feel like I've lived about four or five lives. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah, it, absolutely. So I think it's maybe that attachment and maybe it's the idea of attachment, attachment to an aspect or a time in our lives or an identity mm. that somehow triggered something for us that made us feel amazing or good. And maybe it wasn't driven out of a good place anyway, but there's something then yeah. that we become yeah. attached to that we can't let go of. Yeah. How do I how do I navigate that with clients? I can't actually always solve that problem. Quite honestly, sometimes mm. I can't help people yeah. um, because the reason I mentioned patience and perseverance and motivation before is because if someone um, comes to me and says I want to lose weight, I don't. I'm, I'm carrying too much weight. I don't like the way that I you know the way that I'm looking. My clothes aren't fitting well. I go I completely understand that. Um, and I can, and I will support them in their goal to um, to do that. But I think you know the science also shows there are lots of reasons why people put on weight and then be, be, find it difficult to lose weight. And a lot of women will have been through you know crash diets over many many years. And you know scientifically, what can happen is if you know once you crash diet, you kind of restrict what you're eating you've lost all the weight, you come off the diet and then you start going back to what you were doing before or actually even eating more because you think, oh, I can afford to do this. But what ends up biologically happening is you, you know, you start to grow more fat cells, you start to actually load on more body fat and the body's become very, very good at, human bodies are really very, very adaptable. So they become very, very efficient sometimes at operating off very little Mm. And there are different metabolic types and there's a whole heap of science that sits behind it. But I think people just kind of think, okay, it's worked for me before. It's going to, why isn't it working again? Mm. And why isn't it taking, why is this taking so long? And there's that general impatience with 
with the journey. And, mm. and I think like anything, you know, different phases require different approaches. They require um, persistence and, and sometimes, you know, the willingness to be flexible and, and, and explore what's going to work for a particular yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. And often I find if people, people aren't enjoying what they're doing, I mean, my, my approach, as you know, is very educative. It's, it's, it's moderate. I, I believe in flexible dieting. I believe in, mm. in sort of, in, I believe in educating my clients to give them the information and the tools that they need if nutrition or dieting or, you know, weight training is of interest to them to learn more, to give them the information, the tools that they need to feel empowered to be able to walk away and manage all of that themselves. That's my methodology mm. really. Mm. You know what, Senk, I just want to pause there because what I love that you've done is there wasn't an answer and that you were, you were so upfront and said, I don't know, sometimes I can't help because for you to have said, I, well, this is what happens usually. And I mean, because reality is sometimes people need to go through that process of not having the answers in order to find the answers through that perseverance, through that patience, because maybe it's really about learning how to cultivate those qualities because I sure am needing um, to cultivate patience. I mean, I was having a discussion with John about this. I said, oh, my gosh, just when you think, oh, I've got this patience down pat, you know, because because even that in itself is such a stupid thing to say. <laughs> but it's like the next level is being invited off me. It's like, Matt, you think you, you have no idea what you don't know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I love your honesty and sincerity with that and the wisdom that comes in acknowledging that, that this, there's no one answer that fits everyone. But what's more important are the qualities of how can you bring flexibility and persistence and perseverance and then education all of that is then backed by education and um and then we can increase success of well whatever it is that we're working towards you know yeah and i think you know when people feel better informed you know on the topic of fear i know that when i feel better informed or i have a better grasp of what's going on i have less fear mm. I think, um, and I think, you know, definitely there was, there is a lot of anxiety and concern. I mean, there are so many diets out there. There are so many different modes of training. You know, people say, oh, my God, this worked with my friend, but I can't shift the weight. I don't understand. And I think to your point, it is, it is actually quite an, ex, ex, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey of exploration to find what is going to work for that particular individual. Mm. And the difficulty that we come up against, that I come up against with, is impatience because people are like, oh, I've got this goal, I want to achieve it, I want to achieve it, like we're talking about, but, my God, this is happening slowly or it's not happening the way that I would expect it to happen and I'm just going to give up. And yeah. you know what, that's, and I go, you know what, that's actually okay. There's, that's okay. You know what, because that says you're not ready for it or there's some other work that you need to mm. do before you re-embark or you, you take a slightly different path. And I don't feel like a failure if that happens because, mm. you know, I've had clients um, not continue to work with me because, you know, they've felt like they're not making the progress that they've expected they're going to make. Yeah. And, but that's completely okay. Maybe I'm not the right fit or 
they're not ready and that's mm. you know but i've also had clients who've done that and then come back and say after a little while i kind of understand and i now know what i need to do right. yeah you know? yeah so and what a what a, a, a bit that's a that's a you know such a oh, privilege to be in that to be in that 100%. place and then to watch that client um grow um and it is about growth, isn't it? Oh, like what a what an opportunity for growth it is. Like I, I I've been training with you now for a year. I think June will be a year. And I remember I was a little bit, um, what's the word? A little bit. Um, I found it a little bit threatening at first because I intimidating. Yeah. Intimidating. Intimidating is the word I was looking for, um, because I I kind of didn't know. And and the, yeah. here's the thing: I needed to know. How yeah. do I how do I lift that weight properly? <laughs> yeah, but that person needs to see yeah. where you're at, and I think you're really um, you really have that gift at seeing where the person is at and helping them on their journey. I I want to ask you before we part, um, what what tips what what kind of messages do you want to share with those who maybe have struggled with weight, mm. food, trying to find the right food, or wanting to train or feel like they haven't been able to yeah um and and just generally as as a whole you know around healthy kind of attitude hmm what are my tips i think my tips are take the time to explore what it is that you enjoy doing so from an exercise perspective Mm. we don't have to run we don't have to all lift weights we don't have to like there are lots of different options so i think number one if you can explore and find something that you enjoy doing it's going to be easier to stick with and you're actually going to have um, a greater degree of motivation in doing it if you haven't if you haven't trained before then uh, you know ha- have a chat to some people who have or or join I think sometimes when you when you I don't know, let's say that you know for example I was speaking to a client the other day you, they, they haven't trained for a long time. They want to start training. So they've decided they're going to start training with a friend. And in that way, they feel supported. They've got someone they're accountable to. They're, that makes their journey a little bit easier. So have a think about things like that. You know, it might be with your partner. It might be with a girlfriend. It might be, mm. you know, uh, think about the sorts of things that you can do to, um, to support what it is that you want to achieve. Um, read I think read read material read books get to know yourself better I think that's the fundamental thing for me that determines success understand your why Susie like you said Mm. why do I really want to do this sometimes there's a lot of pain I think that sits behind that for people does that make sense so their why is driven out of something that when they kind of unpack that is actually really quite painful for them. So understand that and then use that as your driver to just start something, just one thing, not lots of things, one thing. If it's exercise, choose one thing that you can introduce that's new. If it's diet and you know your diet's kind of not where you want it to be, then just choose one new thing that you can do or one thing that you can remove that you know is derailing you so let's just say you're not drinking enough water Mm. well then just start drinking you know one thing 
drink water. After you've mastered that for a week, then go, okay, let's have a look at my cupboard or, you know, I'm sitting there and eating a bowl of chips every single night. So, so do one session, go for one walk, Yeah, you know, yeah. and just build, build on that. And I think the other thing is attaching that to something positive. So, you know, to form a good habit, you've got to make it attractive. You've got to make it easy to do. It's got to be accessible. You've got to feel like there's some sort of outcome from it or a reward, if that makes sense. What I love is that they're all sensible things. They're all moderate. They're all balanced things. It's like, really? Yeah, really. Yeah, really. Really. Really, yeah. And be be patient. That's my number one thing. Be patient. Patient. Just stick with it. Stick with it. (laughs) As I say to my kids, patience, said the master, and they look at me, roll their eyes, go, whatever (laughs) all right Senka I um my gosh what a sorry how beautiful to talk to you like really how wonderful to dive in I know that um what I so yeah what I want to share with listeners is how they can find out more about you yeah so um you can find my contact details uh on Instagram and account name is Senka's underscore sessions uh, my contact details are on there. So it's S-E-N-K-A-S underscore sessions because we're doing a training session. That's the thinking mm-hmm. behind it. It's also my business name. Um, and uh, if, if you want to have a chat or drop me an email, please do. I'd love to hear from you. Susie's an amazing woman. We have some wonderful, wonderful conversations. And what I love about Susie is her warmth and her care and her intelligence and wisdom. So if you're working with her, I think that's a really great decision. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Senka. We see each other, don't we? Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on Empowered Conversations. Subscribe to the show now and then head over to my Facebook page, Susie Petrozzi, for free personal growth and self-discovery tools that you can use today to be present, be powerful and be on purpose. See you next time for Empowered Conversations.